Welcome to the Unapologetic Designer Podcast, where we chat controversial design topics and expose the raw truth about life as a designer. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Today is a very special episode because we have our first guest. So, Kate, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, everyone. Uh, My name is Kate Merriman. I am a graphic designer, a production artist, an illustrator, a podcaster, and uh, just like a fellow creative person. (laughs) Amazing. So many multi-passions there. I feel like we're all like very multi-passionate as entrepreneurs. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So today we're going to talk a bit about life in corporate America as a designer because Kate has a lot of experience with that. So would you like to kind of share a little bit about like, you know, today's topic and your history and then start digging into, you know, your experience? Yeah, sure. So I, to preface, I'm 22, so I'm not super old, but um. Since I turned 18, I've been working that nine to five life uh, up until pretty recently here uh, when I decided that it was no longer for me. Um, So I started off actually working at like a custom t-shirt shop and that wasn't really corporate America. It was more small business America. I was like one one of two employees and um, I was just a graphic designer there. Uh, I was also in charge of like printing shirts. And that job was kind of retail-y because um, like I said, one of two employees. So not only was I doing art, but I was also like doing sales, running the store, um, you know, like retail type stuff. So that I was not at very long. I think I was at that job for maybe 10 months. Um, and the whole time I was there, I was just building my portfolio because I was like, oh, my dream is to just work at a big company. Because, you know, like growing up being an artist, you tell people you want to be an artist and they they go, oh, so you're going to do like graphic design and you're going to work for like a big company, right? Because that's like the only way to do it successfully, right? And so like being told that my whole life. I totally relate. Yeah. I don't don't mean to interrupt you right there, but like totally relate to what you're saying because when I – went to college for design when I first entered school my thinking was okay I'm gonna get a degree and go work for an agency or a big company because like that's kind of the narrative in the design industry yeah absolutely I had so many people tell me that that was the only option and instead of like you know looking into freelancing and looking into you know entrepreneurship and other things I was just like yeah okay sounds good. I get to make art and make enough money to pay my bills. That sounds amazing. That's all I cared about was just, I get to make art. I get to do something creative. I get to be creative and I get to pay my bills. I I don't want like a frivolous, fancy life. I just wanted that, those simple things. And I thought it would be, you know, that simple. So it was my dream at 18. Uh, I couldn't, I couldn't afford to go to art school, which is why I started working at the custom t-shirt shop, which, um, In terms of pay, it was like minimum wage. Um, It was pretty bad. That's why I left as quickly as I did. But I my immediate thought was like, okay, I'm going to like work here. I'm going to pay for community college, which 
is where I went to college. I have an associates in graphic design uh, from a community college. So I did that while I was at that job. And then uh, all of the work that I made working for customers at that small business, all of that, I saved it on a flash drive. I built a portfolio and I took it and I got a job as a production artist, graphic designer for this big company. And I was ecstatic because I went from making minimum wage to my income essentially doubling. So it's not a lot. So it's kind of sad when I say, oh my gosh, I was so excited. But at the time that I started working at this big company, I was 19 years old, making 16 an hour, which uh, I live in Florida. So <laughs> the minimum wage here is $8 an hour. So going from eight to 16 dollars an hour was a lot. Uh, now with like the cost of, of living being so high and like the city that I live in is not great. <laughs> but at the time I was super, super excited to work there. I thought like, this is going to be great. And that's like what makes this kind of life story so sad is because it turned out to be not so great. <laughs> not so great. Not, not what you expected. The grass is always greener on the other side, right? Oh, exactly. And well, actually, I was actually happy at this job for probably like the first year, year and a half that I was there before, um, before things like before I started realizing just kind of like how corrupt corporate America is. And, you know, it's not just the company that I worked for. It's a lot of places. And it's a problem that I know, you know, a lot of um, just people in general, not even just artists or graphic designers or whoever, like it's just people have, have in general in corporate America, it's just issues. Um, the, the only issue that I really had at first, like the first year, maybe even two years that I worked there was working in an office. I hated working in an office. So I don't know about you, but I am the type of person where if I'm around, like if I'm in a room with 200 people, like we're all sitting next to each other at the same desk and people are coming up to me when I'm trying to work going, Hey, did you see the, did you see the game last night? Or like, Hey, the weather is really, I'm like, shut up, shut up, shut up. I'm trying you to don't work, like shut small up. Talk. I get that. Uh, so, so cubicles, <laughs> they weren't the deal there. There were no cubicles. No, we had uh, I don't know. They had a name for it. It was like an collaborative work system or something like that they had it for it and like you have like a big um they were nice desks actually i bought one myself after i left it's like a standing desk yeah, yeah. it's like that that micromanaging type of deal which i can imagine is super uncomfortable and i'm a cubicle gal like i used to go visit my dad at work when I was younger and he does coding and he had his own like little cubicle area. And I just felt like that was like so cozy. <laughs> exactly. My dad also had a cubicle and I totally thought that was what I was going to get. And I showed up and like all the desks were completely open. And I was just like, this is fantastic. And it's not like I hated the people I worked with or anything, but um, I never really felt like I belonged there, especially being so young, being 19 when I started. I was easily the youngest person in that entire building. I constantly had people asking me like stuff about my age. I remember this one guy came up to me and he was like, you must be saving so much money. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, you know, living with your parents. And I was like, I don't live with my parents. And he was like, I lived with my parents at 18. And I was like, well, not all of us have that luxury. So... Wow. Wait, wait, wait. Me. You just touched on a huge ass topic 
that I actually have a podcast episode scheduled for, and it's ageism in entrepreneurship for young people. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. <laughs> because, like, 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 everyone thinks ageism is for old people and old people not getting jobs and blah, 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 because that's, like, the only protection there is out there is for old people. And I made a TikTok probably about half a year ago or so it went crazy viral because I was talking about my experience with ageism and all these young people are like oh my gosh I relate to you I've been judged so many times based on my age and like people just make assumptions and it's so annoying yeah it works both ways too because um my dad is also an artist and he got let go from a big company like this after working there for almost 30 years and it was so hard for him to find work because people just thought oh, you should just retire like you're too old. And he was like, he j desperately like needed a job. And it was so much harder for him to find something after being let go after, you know, so long of doing the same thing and working for the same company. And it, it, go it totally goes both ways because it's been hard for me as like a, a super young person. People think I don't know what I'm doing. And then it's also hard because people think someone old is about to retire and they don't want to hire them. So it's, it's insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. Off topic, but important topic. You can keep going now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I didn't really like working in the office. It, it just wasn't for me. It's hard for me to work in that kind of environment because there's a lot going on. There's lots of people in the same room. Uh, sometimes it's really quiet. Sometimes it's really loud. Sometimes the person next to you is playing heavy metal through their headphones, which usually I would just like listen to podcasts and listen to my own music. So it didn't really bother me. But like, if I had to do something where I couldn't have my headphones in, because I was like waiting for my boss to come grab me for something. It's just like, I don't know, it was just really hard for me to focus there. And I didn't get a whole lot done. But um, once COVID happened in uh, like March of 2020, we worked from home for two years, which was a really nice change of pace. And I think my productivity shot way up as well because I was able to work from home. Um, but unfortunately, like other problems arose after that. So uh, like I said, uh, when they they hired me on, I started at $16 an hour. So I was an hourly employee. I had two raises. So I worked there for three years. I just quit in March of this year. So I'm very freshly a freelance person. Oh, um, I bet it feels so good. It does. It's amazing. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I had two raises. So the pay was like a big issue for me, but it wasn't as big as some other things that I'll get into a little later, but started at 16 an hour. My first raise was 18 months after I started and it was 80 cents, which was apparently Ooh, 80 cents. What are you going to do with that? <laughs> it was apparently a lot, actually, because my boss was telling me she was like, don't tell anyone the percentage that you got, um, the percentage raise that you got because you got the most out of everybody, the most percentage specifically. And I was like, can I ask why? Because I knew I wasn't the most talented artist there. I was so young. I was so new at it. And everyone I worked with was older than me, which is another reason I felt uncomfortable there. Most of the people on my team were like in their 30s. So um, I was like, can I ask why? And she was like, I'm just trying to get you caught up to everybody. And I was like, wait, I get paid less than everyone? I had no idea oh for a year gosh. and a half. I Wait, had no okay. idea. Did the 80 cents 
make a difference? Like, did you actually notice a difference in pay? No, no, it was, (laughs) it was probably per paycheck. So I got paid biweekly and per paycheck, it was maybe like an extra $80 after taxes, 80 to a hundred dollars. Like if I was lucky, (laughs) it didn't really make a huge difference. So that's like an extra 40 to $50 a week on a good week. (laughs) Um, So not a huge difference, um, but that was supposed to be like a big raise. Uh, And then 13 months after that raise, uh, I got my second raise, which was October of 2021. And it was 30 cents. (laughs) And uh, she, my boss was like, I'm sorry, I couldn't get you more. I'm so sorry. She kept apologizing to me. And I got curious because she she told me that I made less than everyone. And I kind of figured it was because of my age and because, you know, of my experience level, which is, first of all, I, I shouldn't have even accepted that as a reason because I actually had more experience than a lot of my coworkers in what I was actually doing because a lot of them were graphic designers for other things, but I was the only person speaking specifically who had experience in apparel. And I also had experience printing because like I said, I worked at that print shop and I had to print the shirts myself too, because it was a small business. So I actually probably had the most relevant experience of anyone, but because it was the least like time-wise chronologically, it was only about a year of experience. That's probably why they started me on lower but I just assumed that was the reason. And I went on uh, like Glassdoor because I was like, there's got to be some more information. So I put in like my company's name and the branch like location that I was at. And the base pay was like the starting pay was like 20 bucks an hour. And I was like, everyone's making $4 an hour more than me right now. Are you kidding me? They all started at 20. Whereas it took me three years to get to 17. <laughs> I was That's at- such bullshit. Yeah. And I mean, again, a whole other topic, but literally basing someone's pay off of their age or quote unquote experience, I think is dumb. I think it should be about the portfolio and the skill set and the value that you bring to the table, not how many years that they've been doing this. Because I've literally seen designers who have been designing for 20 years and their work looks like they've been designing for like, not even a year. Like it, that is irrelevant. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I felt like I was really valuable and, um, I didn't really like, I felt like I was valuable because I knew in my head what my experience was, but up until I actually quit, I didn't realize how much they needed me based on their reaction from how I quit, which I'll also get into, but yeah, I did not make enough to live. So, I am in Tampa, Florida. Okay. So Florida is probably one of the most expensive places that you can live in the United States, period, just because living is really high. So it's, it's really weird to like live here. (laughs) And at the time that I started working there, I lived um, like an hour north of Tampa and I would just make the drive into the office. But my boss would always say, Oh, you know, Kate, you have to move. You have to like come and move to Tampa. Like, you know, um, you have to be closer to the office or whatever. And so like, right before COVID, I moved to Tampa. Um, 
and it was just so much more expensive than I thought it was going to be like living in like a smaller place, like an hour north of Tampa was just so much cheaper. And then moving here is just like, I, I was literally like, that was the first point that I was like, I don't make enough to live. I'm going to have to get a second job. And I literally did. I got a second job because I couldn't afford, I couldn't afford to make rent living in, in the city. So, um, that sucked. And that was like one of the big things, the first, like, well, not really, like, I didn't see it as a big thing because I'm not really like, I'm not all about like being like the richest person, like in the entire world. Like, I don't really like, I just want to be able to pay my bills. But the fact that I couldn't was just really like, I was distraught. (laughs) So the, the audacity that they had to ask you to move when they're not even paying you enough to consider that is what is ridiculous to me and I am so upset that you did that but you know you live and you learn (laughs) well to be fair it was also it was my choice to move too because I hated doing that drive and my boss saw how like stressed I was from because I hate driving and having to drive two hours a day when you hate driving and like in bumper to bumper traffic uh sucked So I definitely like was like, oh, I'm just going to move to Tampa and then I'll be close to the office and everything will be fine. And also, but but did you get more stress having to have a second job? Yes, I didn't know that I would have to do that at the time. For some reason, I had it in my head that all my bills would stay the same. But the fact that a uh, case of waters cost six dollars here is like, you know, it's just it's crazy here. (laughs) So I didn't really I, I don't know. I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, but um, yeah. So that was like the first thing was like the pay. Um, but that was like a little thing for me because I was like, well, I really like, cause the second job I picked up, I actually like, I'm still doing it. I actually really like it. It's, um, it's kind of relevant, but not, not really. It's like this uh, website Um, And it's like YouTube, but it's specifically for kids. And like they hired me on to make like educational art videos to teach art art lessons for kids. And I actually love it. I still do that. I did not quit doing that because that's so fun. Yeah, Um, that sounds so cute. (laughs) So it actually ended up being kind of a win. Um, But still, nobody wants to have two jobs. You know, you want to have as much free time and as much time to yourself as possible. So that was like the first little thing that I was like, annoying and gross but like not a deal breaker I'm not gonna quit over this you know because also I had it in my head at the time that I couldn't make more doing anything else that this was the best I was gonna get this is the biggest the biggest company in the area they're gonna pay the most that that was what I was thinking which is not true but that's what I was thinking at the time so the next big thing that happened to me at this job was the company decided to dump all of this money into this automation program which was like an illustrator extension um so you you download it onto like your your illustrator it's like an extension you've you've probably downloaded like a million illustrator extensions before but um it basically did all of our work for us so i at this job i was a production artist so a lot of what i did was just grinding out art as fast as i could which i loved that's awesome that's perfect for me but this illustrator extension it would switch out logos and fonts and colors and it would do everything for you automatically it was like a robot did it so they dumped millions of dollars into this program and then they were training us how to use it 
And everyone like on my team and everyone in my department had to sit there and watch how something that would take me like a full eight hour day to do could now be done in less than 10 minutes with this automation program. And I think everyone sitting in that meeting was like, they're going to get rid of us. They're they're going to fire us for this robot. Like, and it, it was crazy because obviously it didn't do it perfect. So we were like, okay, it's not perfect. It's just going to switch out the fonts and stuff. The kerning and like the actual design things are still going to need to be adjusted. Whew, we're fine. But then after the automation program was finished, they hired a team of artists in, I believe, Thailand, uh, assumably so that they could also, you know, be um, like graphic designers and production artists that they could pay a lot less because they were in a country with a much lower cost of living. And then immediately my brain went, okay, so their plan was to make this automation program, have some of the higher up artists do all the work and then let go all of the production artists in America and just have all of the production artists that are in like Thailand and those other countries that they're paying much less fix it so that they can save a bunch of money. And that was the first time I thought I'm going to have to quit this job like eventually because I could kind of see what their plan was. I don't think they knew that anyone could like put two and two together, but my brain immediately was like, this is probably what they're planning on doing after I kind of saw that that was what was happening. So that was the first time I was really like, I seriously need to think of a plan to do something other than this, because this is sad and horrible. <laughs> so uh, another thing about working there that was really bugging me was like, especially after that point where they had started the Illustrator, um, like automation program, Illustrator extension, uh, there was layoffs constantly and it was people that i had worked with the whole time that i knew were really good that it just didn't make sense for them to be laid off uh and it was scary because every time there was like a layoff it, it honestly it felt like it was like once a month there was like a giant collective like layoff of people from all different departments and things and it it really taught me that job security isn't real like mm -hmm. <sighs> People always talk about, oh, well, you if you want security, if you want consistent pay, if you want this, if you want that, you're going to have to work, you know, a nine to five at like a corporate job at like a corporate company. And the layoffs, the constant layoffs of good people that I knew that were good at their jobs and got laid off for no reason made me realize there's no such thing as security. I could be gone tomorrow and like no one would care or notice and they wouldn't even replace me because they're trying to say they're just trying to save money. They're just trying to make a quick buck. So <laughs> and another thing that's really funny is they actually laid off the guy who created the Illustrator automation program. And then when the Mac OS update came out, it stopped working. So <laughs> I only got to use it the one time and then it went away. But I'm sure they're coming up with a plan to fix it. Um, I wouldn't know, <laughs> but they literally laid off the person who after he was finished making that Illustrator extension automation program, they were like, okay, thanks, bye. And then it just, with the new Mac OS, it was just broken, didn't work. <laughs> I think that that, like, that whole situation just goes to show how 
corporate America views employees as disposable. Like they don't even view them as human beings. I feel like they just view them as like robotic things that are going to help this company make more money. And once their usage has been done, they can easily get rid of you and not even care. I completely agree. And I do kind of, I feel bad because, you know, it doesn't feel like that when you're immersed in it because you're working with people and you're, you know, your direct manager, you know, he's not a bad guy. And the director over the department, they're not bad either. But then you make your way all the way up to like the VPs and the CEO and they're making all of these decisions based on like income and money and dollar signs. And they're not thinking about the fact that like you literally have just destroyed so many lives every month when you do all these layoffs. And what's hilarious about the layoffs is like they have a layoff and the next day we have like a big company meeting and they're like, we did 1 billion in in profits this year. Great job, everyone. And it's like, okay, so you're going to give me a 30 cent raise when I did that (laughs) and you're going to fire all my friends. Cool. Great. Awesome. It just made me so bitter. (laughs) It made me really mad. I'm not going to front. I was very upset as this stuff was happening. And I was definitely at this point uh, outside of that job, I was saving every penny I could. I was working at my other job as much as possible. I was taking in as much freelance as I could for, I would say about a year. I was doing the most in terms of like trying to get myself a savings like cushion so that I could eventually be able to quit. And I was also putting a lot of that money I was investing a lot of it too, which I am so grateful that my investments panned out in a positive way and I didn't lose money because if if it didn't, I, I wouldn't have been able to quit when I did. So things worked out really well for me there, but um, kind of like while all this was happening, that's what I was doing. Uh, another thing was like the upper, upper management, like I said, presidents, VPs, like the higher ups was really poor because it really did feel like all they care about is making money. And they would have, I think like I worked there for three years and there must've been at least five or six complete like reorganization meetings where they literally like completely switched around like who who's your boss who are you working for like they were just moving people around and the reason they did that is because people would either get fired get laid off or they would quit and the higher ups would be like okay we could we could hire someone to replace them or we could move some people around and just give all the managers and and everybody more work Yeah, that seems like that's the common thing nowadays, which I mean, I don't know personally, but from like, you know, people around me who are in the corporate world, that seems like the thing that they're doing. They're just firing or laying off people and then putting more work on the people that aren't getting paid enough and not giving them any raises. Exactly. That is exactly what they were doing. Or that's what it felt like to me. I wasn't getting raises. Maybe other people were. I'm not sure. (laughs) I wouldn't know. That's another thing that I hate about corporate America that isn't specific to this company. But like the fact that in America, it's taboo to talk about pay. Like, I don't care. I'll tell you how much I got paid. I'm unbothered. I'm unbothered by it. it Yeah, I and I I love that because um, I'm all about pay transparency. And with my design community, the Brief Collective that I co-founded with two other designers, we're all about sharing how much we make and how we're charging high ticket prices and how we're providing value for our clients for them to pay that amount because 
like pay in the design industry specifically is always and I think will continue to be undervalued and so many people out there are getting taken advantage of and not getting paid what they deserve. Absolutely. Yeah. I that's literally how I found found you to apply to be on this podcast is literally like I totally I'm going to start doing the briefs now. I didn't have time up until like literally now because I was working at this stupid job for like 60 hours a week. But like now that stupid I- <laughs> job. Now you don't got that stupid job. Yeah, no, I'm literally I'm going to do all the briefs and everything. I'm so excited. Um, Yay. But anyway, <laughs> another thing too. Oh, yeah. And like mandatory overtime. So that's something that happens like every time people either quit or leave and like I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest they've been better about it like recently before I quit like my my boss and stuff was actually like replacing artists this is more for like managers so I wasn't ever a manager myself uh, nor would I even agree to that if someone offered to make me a manager that I would never do because it looks like more stress than I could handle to be completely honest Um, but they would like when they would move people around and stuff, they would give managers more work. And sometimes that resulted in us having to do like mandatory overtime, which I was pretty fortunate. Um, So when I first got hired, some of the other um, teams of artists, like there's different groups of artists who all do different things at this company. And my, my little group that I was in, for the most part, we didn't have mandatory overtime, but sometimes it was necessary if there is like, you know, hot markets where there's like a last minute thing. Like I remember when COVID happened, um, my team was put in charge of like designing masks. (laughs) And uh, that was a nightmare. I never want to do that again. Because at the time, like this was like March of 2020 and people didn't know that COVID was going to last like two years or however long it's going to last because we're still kind of in the middle of it. But um, people didn't really know how long it was going to last. So we were like super rushed into getting these masks done. And I that was probably the most I worked working at the company was like trying to get those stupid masks designed. (laughs) So what was like after, you know, sharing all of these things that are just like making you feel a certain type of way? What was that thing that like really was like, okay, I'm done and like I'm quitting? Like what was the thing that made you finally take that leap? So there was two things back to back that happened. So um, I actually got very sick like a month before I quit. So I, like I said, I'm an hourly employee. So we had a set amount of PTO that we could have for the year, but like we accumulate it over time. So like in January, you have zero PTO. You cannot even take a day off. Well, I had a wedding that I was in in February, so I had already used all my PTO for the year, but about a week before this, or not a week, probably like two weeks before this wedding, because I did still go to the wedding, uh, but um, a couple weeks before this wedding, I had COVID, which I was pretty lucky. I didn't get that sick, but I couldn't take a day off because I wanted to go to that wedding, so I had to work through having COVID, and like, fortunately, you know, I did work from home still at that point, so um you know, I just kind of worked through it, but I was really salty because I was like, you know, if I was a salaried employee, I would have been able to take more time off. But because of their policies surrounding hourly employees, we get treated very differently from people that are salaried. Uh, And most of the artists at that company were hourly. So 
that really made me mad. And then after I went to the wedding, literally two days later, uh, I had kidney stones and I thought I was straight up dying, went to the emergency room. Uh, they were like, oh, you've, you have kidney stones. And I got a doctor's note for like for a couple days, but I needed more time because kidney stones are probably the worst thing that you can ever have wrong with yeah, you ever. When, when I was little, I remember one of our neighbors who was also kind of a young girl, she had kidney stones and like I remember her being, you know, like bedridden and like not really going out for a really long time. They're so painful. Drink water. That's probably what mine was from was not drinking enough water. Um, But they're horrible. They Literally, I remember I was sitting in the emergency room. I was laying in the bed and I was like sobbing and the nurse comes in. She's like, I have good news. It's kidney stones. You're not going to die. And I was like, okay, I'm glad I'm not going to die. But this sucks. And she was like, yeah, it's going to suck until you pass them. And she was like, I'll write you a note for work. And so I give my note and I get this email like, you're out of PTO, but we'll give you like a courtesy day. So I did get a couple days off. But after I was out from that note, I still hadn't passed the kidney stones. And they were like, oh, call. It was like Cigna or something. They were like, call Cigna and tell them that you have like a medical emergency. And so I called Cigna and Cigna was like, you want us to give you like two days and I was like yeah and they were like this is for people that are seriously sick that need to be out for like a month or like a few weeks for surgery like we're not going to pay you for like one or two days and I was like but I (laughs) okay and so I ended up just working while I had the kidney stone which um when I quit during my exit interview I brought that up and the lady was like oh if you would have told us that we would have gotten you an extra couple of days but because I was an hourly employee and I saw that my PTO was at zero I just assumed that they weren't going to do anything about it apparently I was wrong about that but who knows like if I had actually asked for an extra no, day that's off. just that's that, that's just a manipulative tactic to make them not look bad like obviously you had that assumption because they'd already done things in the past that made you feel that certain type of way yeah so that's that's basically um, that. So that made me really mad. And at that point, I was like, for some reason in my brain, because I'm really like, I'm kind of woo-woo and spiritual. So like for some reason in my mind, I was like, the kidney stone was a sign that I need to quit my job. I don't know why I thought like that. But I was like, you know, I no, need my... It's, I, I'm the same way. Uh, the universe, The universe has got you this stock that's doing well and it's saying hey it's time to go (laughs) absolutely absolutely um i literally i remember thinking okay the kidney stone was like a like literally the the marker because like okay the universe knew that i needed my health insurance for this stupid kidney stone when i was going to be in the hospital with it so that is the sign to go because now I don't need my health insurance anymore. (laughs) So, so I was thinking that already. And then like literally the next day after I got back, I got this email that said, okay, everybody has to be back in the office, uh, April 1st. And this was like the beginning of March. And I went, okay. And so the next day I literally called my boss and I went, I'm quitting. I'm putting in my two weeks. And everybody was like, why? why? And I was like, because I don't want to go in the office and also all these myriad list of other reasons. And of course, you know, I get, oh, this is such a good company and they really like care. And I'm like, okay, that, that might've been your experience. And uh, unfortunately that wasn't mine. So I'm a head out, you know, I was just like done. (laughs) And don't convince me otherwise. Just let me leave, please. 
Yeah, yeah. And um, the director over my department, you know, she was like, oh, is there anything we can do to keep you like anything at all? Blah, blah. And I was like laughing. And I was like, honestly, you know, I would say, you know, pay me what I deserve to be paid. But even that wouldn't keep me around after the stuff that I was just put through. Like, this is ridiculous. Um, and I, you know, I told her I was like, I've I've made up my mind. Like, you know, if you didn't want it to get to this point, I probably stayed much longer than I should have because I am just a very loyal person uh, with not a lot of self-confidence. <laughs> so I probably stayed much longer than I should have, but um, I didn't. And, you know, you had a chance to like make things better. And obviously on paper, this company looks great because, you know, we all have like all these benefits and like health insurance and dental vision. And, you know, they pay for us to have shipped to have our groceries delivered. Well, not like they don't pay for the groceries, but they pay for the membership, which is nice. And like, there's all these things on paper that make it look so good. But like when you're really in it and you see the things that they're doing to like make sure that like they're making a profit over like actually treating their employees, especially the hourly employees like me like human beings um no so as soon as i got that email saying that we had to go back into the office i was like yep it's time to go because i can't handle being in that environment again especially trying to get work done when you know before i didn't really i didn't hate the job i actually enjoyed it but now i hate the job and i have to be in an environment that really drains me and like makes me not work to the best of my ability uh, yeah, I'm going to leave. So that was the last straw was the email that they were like, okay, everybody has to be back in the office now. That was what made me quit, basically. So your first month after quitting, what what was it like? What was like the next day like for you, like after you officially were done with your job? So that was actually literally yesterday. <laughs> so I I gave a two month notice because oh wow okay, my that's a lot yeah the director over uh, over my department and also my manager kind of I could see it on their face that they were a little bit panicked when I quit and here's the thing is like I don't I don't wa I want to be like a a role mo not a role model that came out weird. I, I, I don't want to be what that company is. I know that like my direct bosses, my direct manager who are directly over me, they're just people too. And if I quit and I leave two weeks or if I quit and I don't leave notice, like that's screwing them more than it's screwing the company. The company doesn't care if I work there or not. But these are people that I've worked with now for three years and I don't want to screw them over, you know? So I was just like, what do you need from me? How long do you need to hire someone? Uh, I will stay until you have somebody um, at my desk to replace me. So I gave them a two month notice and my last day was Monday. For some reason they made it on a Monday. I think to have me work one day into the next quarter for probably for like tax write-offs or something for them, because of course they would do that. But yeah, my last day was Monday. And then yesterday, I literally, it, it feels so weird. So I'm still in that first month, but you're having the, it's like a entrepreneur honeymoon. I don't know what to call it, but it's like the honeymoon phase of being an entrepreneur because I remember the feeling. Oh, yeah, it's it's weird. It almost like the way I would describe it is I keep in my brain going, it's Saturday. It's not. It's Wednesday. <laughs> it just feels like a Saturday or a Sunday because it feels like it's the weekend because this is the only time I ever feel like this is on the weekends. Because literally yesterday, like, let me tell you my day yesterday. It was so awesome. So my, yesterday was my first day 
not at that job anymore. I literally, after I get off this call with you, I'm going to drive to FedEx and like mail my computer and stuff like back to them. Um, but yesterday, uh, I, you know, I woke up early. I went to my apartment complex's pool and I just like laid out in the sun and I like read all of my, you know, like my entrepreneurial like little books. I got through a book and a half. Um, and I live in Florida. So of course it was super nice out. It was super hot. I like went swimming for a little bit. I got a little bit sunburnt, but like not to the point where it's painful, just like a little bit. And then I came in and I got more like freelance and contract work done than I think I have in like a week previously. Like it would take me a week to get through the amount of work that I got done yesterday because I was just so like, you know, like I could finally exhale. Like it was just like so nice. I'm I'm just kind of doing whatever I want for the first time ever, because if you think about it, um, literally a week after I graduated high school, I started working, you know, um, the schedule for the custom t-shirt shop was nine to six. And then I didn't have a break in between that. I had like a weekend in between that and then working corporate America. So this is the first break I've really had. So I'm just kind of doing whatever I want. I think that's the best way for me to like creatively get ideas for new projects and new things. Um, you know, I've, I'm trying to figure out kind of like what freelance uh, is the best for me because I've done, I've done it all. I've done illustrations. Uh, I've done like children's books. Uh, I'm working on like a tarot deck right now, uh, but I've also done branding and website design and stuff like that. I've, I've done it all for freelance. So I'm just trying to figure out like what is my favorite and, you know, get, get those high ticket clients that we were talking about earlier. Um, and just kind of like, that's my plan for now because, you know, I feel like as long as I'm doing what I want and I'm happy, like that's like the most important thing because I feel like a lot of people think, oh, like this is the way you have to do it. You have to go to college and you have to get this nine to five and you have to do this and this and this. And it's like, that's the way you're told your whole life. And then I don't know, one day I just kind of realized there are people doing things and like living life in a way that like I never even thought of that sounds amazing I want to do that and now it finally feels like I've taken like really big steps towards like having that lifestyle so it really does it is really does probably feel like a honeymoon phase I know I probably won't feel like this for too long but I'm really happy <laughs> yeah I mean it'll last quite a while and I mean I still every day, you know, I wake up excited, because I get to do basically whatever I want to do. I mean, of course, there's, you know, admin business task and such like that. But the unknown, like the uncertainty that you have with being an entrepreneur is it, you like learn to love it. Like at first, it can be so scary. But then you realize like, it, there's an unlimited potential like you never know how much you're going to make you never know what the next project is you're going to have like your day isn't routinely planned exactly exactly that's exactly how I feel and I've told so many people because you know you've probably heard it too everyone that I know who is like an entrepreneur who does freelance who doesn't have like a set income has heard all the arguments against it of people like for me, it's like a lot of it came from, um, you know, like family and friends just being like, well, what are you going to do without that, you know, 
thousand dollar check every two weeks what are you gonna do without that and i'm like well now it doesn't have to be a thousand dollars it can be ten thousand dollars or twenty thousand dollars or thirty thousand dollars or it could be five dollars who knows (laughs) (laughs) yeah no for real like i mean my first year as you know an entrepreneur being fully self-employed right after i graduated i was fully self-employed so i went straight into it signed the lease on my house because i was like i don't want to go live back home And I just straight up had complete faith in myself. I did have somewhat of a savings to sustain me for a few months had I not got any clients. And I mean, for the first year or so, I had months where I basically made little to no money. But, you know, I kept going and I feel like that's all a part of the process. Like you grow during that time and you also learn how to like really, really have faith in yourself. Yeah, exactly. That's literally, that's my plan right now. You know, I I have been saving money pretty much. Uh, I am a chronic um, saver. Like I, I grew up having really bad like financial um, anxiety. And so now as an adult, every time I have money, I don't, you know, I'm not one of those people, which is sad because like, you know, I work really hard, so I should be able to spend money on myself, but I feel so guilty when I do. So for the past like four years, ever since, you know, I've been, you know, living on my own, doing my own thing, working full time, uh, pretty much every penny that I don't spend on bills or groceries or food or like essentials go went into savings and pretty much half of that savings went into investments. So I'm fortunate enough to have a huge cushion. At the time that I quit, um, I have uh, currently like a year's worth of bills uh, saved up. So if I literally didn't get a single client or a single like contract job or any income for a full year, I would be fine. Um, but I've, you know, I still actually have a lot of, of work to do. It's funny because I told myself, oh, like, you know, when I'm done at my job, I'm going to take a month off where I don't do anything. But now of course is the time, the first time ever that I have clients coming in and I am like, who am I to say no? You know, I'm not doing anything, but it's like, I tell myself, oh, I'm going to take a break. And then the universe is like, here are a few clients for you what are you going to do about it? And I'm like, I guess I'm not taking a break (laughs) because this is exactly what I wanted. This is exactly what I asked for. So it's pretty cool though. Like I'm, I'm ecstatic. And like, I have not been this unstressed in my life pretty much. (laughs) So I'm, I'm yeah, definitely in the honeymoon phase of it. (laughs) The stress will come back, but it'll be like (laughs) not as bad because it's just like about like, you know, your own clients and like your own projects and the stuff that you're working on. So it is a different type of stress in that way, I guess you could say. Um, So I guess we're nearing kind of the end of this episode. Do you have any advice for people who are maybe like in a nine to five right now? And they're kind of like, I don't think I want to do this. Like I want to, you know, I want to go full time in my design business. Like, do you have any tips? Yeah. So I think what I would say is I was in that boat for years. I literally like let that job take every last bit of me and I let it completely drain me. And like I up until I finally said, you know what, enough is enough. I quit. I was pretty much at my my lowest point with it, Um, which is not okay because 
it's a job, you know, it's a situation that you're in right now. If you're at a job and you hate every day of your life because of it, and every time you're not at that job, you're thinking, oh, I have to go back to that job on Monday. Oh, I have to do all this stuff on Monday. Oh, like, and like, you're just living for the weekend, or even if you're not off weekends, you're just living for, you know, your one or two days off a week so that you can just start over and do it again. And you're dreading every single day. It's okay to leave, even if it's not conventional, even if your dream or what you want to do is unconventional, and there's not a lot of people doing it, like all the more reason to do it, because there's someone out there who has like the kind of life that you want. And there's absolutely not a reason that that shouldn't be you. You know what I mean? So I would say make a game plan. That's what I did. Um, I saved up a bunch of money. Um, obviously, you know, if you're in a situation where you don't have a lot of financial uh, responsibilities, like I, I was very fortunate to be in the position I'm in. I'm very young. I don't have kids. I don't have to worry about anyone other than myself and my own bills. So I was able to save up a year's worth of, you know, bills and utilities um, pretty quickly, um, especially with uh, investing my money and, you know, being smart about it. Uh, and, you know, turning my savings into like triple what it would have been. But um, come up with some, I would say come up with some sort of game plan, save money as much as you possibly can, um, you know, invest money where you think is like a good investment that you think you can have more of like a savings and a cushion. And I would also say like, while you still have that job um, on your days off or after work, just try new things and just like, see what you like. Try freelancing, try contract work, make an Etsy with like some templates for some passive income so that you can save more money while you're, you know, at that horrible job. Um, just, you know, figure out what you like, figure out what works for you. And then once you feel like you found it, uh, go for it. I still haven't found it. I'm still trying things, but I'm, you know, I'm at a point where those things are making at least enough money for me to pay like my, you know, my base minimum bills. So uh, yeah, li life is too short to spend all day doing something that you hate for not enough pay because it's never enough at those kinds of jobs. So I would say, you know, come up with a plan and execute and just go for it because it's not, it's not worth the stress that it brings. Amazing. I totally agree with everything you said. Do you have any, you know, social media handles or things people can find you at? Yeah, I do. So my TikTok is Kate Merriman Art. My Instagram for my business is Kate Merriman Art. And I also host a podcast. Uh, my podcast is called Artwise. And uh, it is basically just an arts industry podcast. So it's pretty open. Anybody who is an artist can be on. I've had artists of all kinds, a lot of like plein air painters. I've had interior design. Oh, actually, the episode hasn't come out yet. Ooh, T, spoiler. <laughs> um, interior designers I've had on there. I've had, you know, painters, freelancers, nine to fivers, animators, like all kinds of different stuff. So it's just an art industry podcast. So feel free to check that out if you're into that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, my website uh, with all of my services and everything that I offer is katemerrymanart.com. Um, and yeah, I think that's pretty much everything. 
All right. Well, I will definitely tag your IG handle in the post when this episode comes out. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I think that the listeners will have a lot to say and definitely resonate with this entire episode and your experience. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. (laughs) Have a good day and we'll chat. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Unapologetic Designer Podcast. If you'd like to submit your unapologetic design opinions, head over to the link in my description to submit yours anonymously. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can follow our Instagram page or you can sign up to make a monthly donation. I'll see you in the next episode.